For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. In the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you want to, you can grab the black prayer book in front of you and turn to page 857. You don't have to because I'll read everything that's there, but if you want to follow along, page 857 is where we'll be looking for a little bit. But what jumps out to me about our texts this morning is that they are about the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion. And that's relevant for us because we will actually, in about 12 to 15 minutes, be enjoying the sacrament of baptism as a community with Millie being baptized. And communion because that's what we do every single week and sometimes numerous times throughout the week. So here in Acts, in the book of Acts, we have and we, have, we also have another baptism this evening at 6 p.m. if you want to come, come back and double down. <clears throat> but we have repent and be baptized. And this is one of the first sermons right after Christ's resurrection, and 3,000 people are baptized and brought to faith and added to the church. So it's, the, Acts 2 is focused on repenting, baptizing, and God's work of 3,000 people being added to the church. And then in our gospel reading in Luke, it's about communion. We have, it says, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took, blessed, broke, and gave. And those are actually four words and verbs that are used in every Eucharistic prayer. And Reggie, later on, will actually be repeating exactly those things with, you know, gestures that indicate exactly he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And it, is, and it says that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So the sacraments have been important to Christians since Jesus instituted them. And that's, the reason it's so important is because baptism and communion are the ordinary means for God's extraordinary grace being given to us. They're the ordinary means of God's extraordinary grace being given to us. So if you're looking in the prayer book, in the catechism, on the very, very bottom of page 857, the question is this, what is a sacrament? And the answer is, the sacraments are outward, invisible signs of an inward and spiritual grace given by Christ as sure and certain means by which we receive that grace. The baptism and communion are signs that signify the grace of God to us because of the work of Christ, and they are gifts. It's something that Jesus intentionally gave to his church for the purpose of being the ordinary means by which we receive this grace of God. And there's two words in addition to all the other ones that are there that jump out, a sure and certain means by which we receive the grace. It's completely assured and guaranteed. Because fear and anxiety are some of the most painful experiences we can have, we need some assurance and certainty that we are in fact loved by God. Sigmund Freud masterfully describes the human condition by describing three types of anxieties. One of the first he describes is called realistic anxiety, and it comes from the fear of danger, death, and disaster. Anything that threatens life, realistic anxiety. 
Another one he describes is called neurotic anxiety. And this one isn't external, it actually has an internal origin. And it arises from the fear that our deep impulses will get out of control and cause us to do things that will embarrass us or shame us. Think of addiction or the impulses for immediate gratification that you desperately hide from others. And the third is moral anxiety. It's the fear and guilt of moral condemnation for your thoughts, deeds, and actions. So, sure, there's plenty of things we could criticize about Freud, but on anxiety, he is describing it pretty well. Realistic, neurotic, and moral. And in the face of the swirl of the fear, guilt, shame, and anxiety that we experience, we need assurance that he will never leave us or forsake us. We need a tangible, holdable, drinkable, pourable reminder that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, to be loved and not known is comforting, but that's just a sentiment. And what we don't need in the face of that swirl of our experience is a sentiment. To be known fully but not loved is what causes great fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is how God deals with us in Christ. It's what we need more than anything else. And that kind of love from God is what liberates us from pretense. It's what humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it's what fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw our way. And this is why we need the sacraments as sure and certain signs of that kind of grace. But this grace is the next thing that the Catechism talks about. Turn the page on 858, the very top, it says, the sacraments are a sure and sight and means of this grace. You might be asking, okay, what does grace actually mean? 858, what is grace? Grace is God's favor toward us, unearned, undeserved. And by grace, God does four things forgives our sins, enlightens our minds, stirs our hearts, and strengthens our wills. Clearly, grace is not anything that we have done to make God look favorably upon us because of secret knowledge we have or techniques or experience. There's two more words that jump out from this one, undeserved and unearned which are shocking when you're talking about the creator of the universe looking favorably upon us who are not worthy. There's a scandal to this kind of grace. And as I'm reading this definition of grace over the past week, the opposite of it came to mind in a movie called Dead Man Walking. I think it's from the mid-90s where Susan Sarandon is a chaplain visiting a condemned man who's on death row, Sean Penn, and this, this woman, as the chaplain, is going regularly to this man, and here's this interaction. She says, hey, have you been reading your Bible? And Matt answers, I tried to last night, but it makes me want to sleep. I'm trying to stay conscious, and I appreciate you trying to save me, but me and God, we got our things squared away. Jesus died on the cross for us, and I'll take hold that he will care for me when I appear before God in judgment. And her response is, Matt, 
Salvation isn't some kind of free admission ticket you get because Jesus paid the price. You got work to do. You got work to do is the opposite of grace. Yes, because of God's goodness to us, out of gratitude, we respond in obedience, of course. But getting the favor of God, you don't have work to do because Christ did the work that causes and allows God to look favorably upon us, and that grace and that favor is undeserved and unearned, and that's why it's such a scandal. It is a free admission ticket at the price of the precious blood of the Lamb, which First Peter tells us. There's no work you can do. But look what this grace does. There's four things. This is a robust grace. God forgives sins, which is exactly what Acts tells us. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. God forgives sins. He enlightens our minds, which is exactly what happened to the disciples in Luke 24. Their eyes were opened. Their minds were enlightened. Stirs our hearts. That's Luke. Were not our hearts stirred within us while he was teaching from the word and breaking of the bread and strengthening of our wills? It's exactly what First Peter was talking about. The precious blood of the Lamb, what does that do? It drives us, it stirs our wills toward obedience for this wonderful grace that's been given to us. So I invite you, as we remember our baptism while Millie is baptized, as we come to the table again, I invite you to explore your condition and your need and what you would like and need God to do because he's made plenty of promises. So what has he promised that you would like to know and experience? Do you need assurance that your sins are in fact forgiven? Do you need to know what Psalm, 90, Psalm 103 says? That as far as the east is from the west, so far he has he removed our transgressions from us. No matter what it was, how often you did it, and how recently you did it, he removes your transgressions in Christ. Do you need your mind renewed or your eyes opened? Has your passion for the joy of your salvation waned? If so, Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Or verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Or do you need him to make himself known to you in the breaking of the bread? Do you not know him? Are you not sure if you know him? That's an answer he, that's a question he loves to answer in a prayer he loves to listen to. So bring any and all of these prayers and needs with you as you come up for holy communion, because he is faithful. And I said that baptism and communion are ordinary means of an extraordinary grace, but I want to get uh, realistic about how ordinary these means are, um, not to be crass, and you'll see in just a second, but the water we get doesn't come from some special holy river. It comes from a tap in that sacristy right to your right. But then, the priest prays, has the boldness as we join that priest praying, now sanctify this water by your Holy Spirit that those who are cleansed here from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
God does something. Or the wafers, the bread and the wine. The wafers come in a plastic wrapper in a box, and the wine comes from ABC, liquor. (laughs) But then the priest prays, Lord, we pray that in your goodness and mercy, your Holy Spirit may descend upon these gifts, sanctifying them to be the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him, or as we will say, the whole, that they will become holy gifts for your holy people in prayer D, the bread of life, the cup of salvation, the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ, ordinary water, bread, and wine by the power and promise of God becomes an ordinary means for an extraordinary work and grace that he is giving. Because of God's work, and promise and faithfulness, these ordinary means become a river of cleansing water in the body and blood of Christ as we eat in faith, and they are the sure and certain means by which we receive grace every single time that you come up here. But here's the kicker. God also sanctifies us as part of our prayer every Thanksgiving, every Eucharist, is as soon as we're praying about the Holy Spirit descending upon the gifts of bread and wine, we also say, and Holy Spirit, please descend upon us. Sanctify us. What this means, and I'm not saying that you become a walking sacrament, okay? I'm not going to get goofy on this, but the picture of how he uses ordinary means for extraordinary purposes does apply to us. He uses you and me to be his ambassadors, his mouthpiece to the world with the message that God is reconciling himself to the world in Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, you are a means of grace to others. The very grace and assurance that you desperately need regularly, you become the means that God uses to your family your neighbors, your co-workers, your gym partners, the strangers that come across your path, each other in St. Luke's. So, I want you to have a vision of the sacraments for you and all that they mean as we looked in page 857 and 858. But at the same time, as we are the recipients of baptism and communion, I want you to have a sacramental vision of your calling to each other and to the world because the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off. Amen.